Hey listeners, this has been The Amateur Exegete, and you're listening to episode 46 of Bible Study for Amateurs. Today's episode is Treading Water. You know the story. The disciples are in a boat when the wind picks up and they're forced to row hard to make it to shore. As they peer out into the darkness, they see a figure approaching them, walking on the waves. At first, they think it's a ghost, and they cry out in terror. But then, they hear a familiar voice. Take heart, it's only me. Don't be afraid. They know that voice. It's Jesus. He steps into the boat, and the wind stops. The disciples are bewildered by the sight they've just taken in. This version of the story is from Mark chapter 6. Matthew's account of this scene, found in chapter 14 of that gospel, is different in several ways. For example... In that version, it isn't just Jesus who can walk on water. Peter, too, tries, and at least for a moment, is successful. Also, whereas Mark's account ends with the disciples being befuddled, Matthew's ends in the disciples paying homage to Jesus, saying to him, Truly, you are the Son of God. Quite the difference. What do we make of this tale? What purpose does it serve in the Gospel of Mark? For some readers, it is clear-cut evidence that the evangelist viewed Jesus of Nazareth as divine, as God in the flesh. For example, Christian apologist Eric Manning wrote in a 2018 piece over at his blog, Is Jesus Alive?, that coupled with the use of the phrase, I am, which is rendered as, it's only me, earlier in this episode, and the idea of passing by the disciples, Jesus' walking on the water is indicative of his divine status. This is not just a prophet performing a miracle, Manning writes. Jesus is showing his divine name and power. But the idea that this pericope reveals Jesus to be God is not without great difficulty, and In an essay entitled, Jesus' Imperial Authority Over the Sea in Mark chapter 6, verses 45 through 52, that appeared in the 2021 volume, The Future of Gospels and Acts Research, Michael Koch, a New Testament scholar who teaches at Morling College in Australia, argues that what is going on in this story is not about Jesus' divinity, but about his messianic identity. Koch begins by noting two recent trends in the research on Markan Christology. The first has to do with Jesus' messianic status as it relates to David, the archetypal messianic figure. The second has to do with how the Markan audience would have received and understood language surrounding Jesus' sonship as it relates to the Roman imperial cult. He then writes, The aim of this essay will be to demonstrate 
how a royal Davidic Christology can inform our understanding of the pericope in Mark chapter 6, verses 45 through 52, about Jesus walking on the water. Specifically, Koch believes that in this passage, Jesus exercised the regal authority that had been delegated to him by Israel's national deity. In examining this somewhat enigmatic passage, he considers the phenomenon of the ancient Near East combat myth. For those unfamiliar with combat myths, check out episode 35 of this podcast. Some scholars reading these myths were in a deity overcomes a watery foe, think this is a decisive factor in interpreting the Markan scene. Various parallels, including things like his appearance to the disciples just before daylight, his use of ego eimi, I am, in verse 50, and more, lead these scholars to conclude that this is nothing short of a theophany, the revelation of Jesus' divinity, Other scholars have made comparisons to Greco-Roman mythology that features deities, and monarchs who would be gods, treading water. Absent other data, this comparison might seem conclusive. Mark is portraying Jesus as divine. But, Koch writes, there are weaknesses to the theophanic interpretation. Take, for example, the use of ego eimi, I am, in verse 50. Koch notes that this could be a simple form of self-identification. In other words, it's Jesus' way of communicating to the disciples that he isn't a ghost. In effect, he's saying, It's me, guys. If this scene isn't communicating a theophany, then what is it doing? Scholars like J.R. Daniel Kirk contend that Mark's Jesus is not a divine, pre-existent being, but an idealized human agent who is designated by God for a given task, in this case a messianic one. Koch notes that there exists plenty of corroborating evidence for the indissoluble connection between the ancient Near Eastern conflict myth and imperial ideology. In short, gods often give human regions authority of some sort or another over bodies of water, With regards to the combat myth, Koch notes that a letter from Nur-Sin of Aleppo to the king of Mari mentions how the god Adad gave to the king the tools with which he could crush the sea. In Hellenistic and Roman sources, monarchs are depicted as driving chariots over bodies of water, a product of technological innovation but examples that, per Koch, nonetheless connect gods and regents. When Herodotus writes about the Persian monarch Xerxes' crossing of the Hellespont by chariot, he compares him with Zeus. A closer connection is perhaps to be found in the Psalter. In Psalm 89, verse 25, Yahweh declares concerning the Israelite king, I will set his hand on the sea and his right hand on the rivers. For various scholars, This is evidence of Yahweh delegating his authority over the sea to the Davidic king. Briefly surveying the reception history of Psalm 89 in Jewish and Christian texts, Koch concludes that many readers understood the passage messianically, connecting 
divine sovereignty over the forces of chaos, which typifies both the original primordial state and the coming messianic age. Though there is some debate as to whether Mark set out to connect Psalm 89 verse 25 specifically to this scene in chapter 6, Koch thinks that may be beside the point, since the concept of imperial authority over cosmic forces like the sea granted by gods is in the background knowledge of Mark. If this is the case, there would be no need to read the story as an example of Mark's purported high Christology. Instead, it points to an idealized human agent Christology. That's all the time we've got this week. See you next time. And remember, in the words of Richard Elliott Friedman, one does not need to deny what is troubling about the Bible in order to pay respect to what is heartening. Thanks for listening.